Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hi everyone and welcome to episode 6. On today's episode we are going to be covering the strange and mysterious death of the Somerton Man. I'm really sorry if I sound full of cold today because I am full of cold. I am not well. Thankfully, it's not COVID, but I'm still here to do the podcast. So let's get into this mystery. I absolutely love this one because it's full of mystery. For 30 years now, the identity of the man buried here in Adelaide has remained a mystery. At first, his death aroused little interest. Later, it was to become one of Australia's most baffling cases. There were two questions. Who was he? And how did he die? The Summit of Man's not just a curiosity um, or a mystery to be solved. It's somebody's father, son, perhaps grandfather, uncle, brother. Um, and that's what we're doing this. On the evening of the 30th of November 1948, John Lyons and his wife were strolling among Somerton Beach in South Australia. It was a nice warm evening with the couple talking as they walked. All of a sudden, John's wife turned to him after seeing a man slouched against the seawall at an uncomfortable angle. His body was flat, his head was propped up awkwardly on the concrete wall. John Lyons turned to his wife and stated that he was worried about the man. Not only because his neck was propped in an uncomfortable position, but because the mosquitoes were out in force and the man didn't seem to be reacting to them at all. He went over to check the man was breathing, but as he approached, the man raised his hand as if to wave. Mr. Lyons and his wife continued to walk the beach, having been acknowledged by the man. The next morning was the first day of summer The rising sun cast a rosy hue across the morning sky. Golden fingers of sunlight lit up the scene. The just risen sun shone softly on the golden beach, bringing it with a flurry of early morning activity. At approximately half past six, Mr Lyons went for a morning swim at the same beach and as he dried himself off with a towel, he noticed the same man lying in the same position he'd seen him the night before, laid flat with his head propped up in an awkward angle. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. With the motionless man was Neil Day and Horry Patchin, two trainee jockeys who were exercising their horses that morning on the beach. Patchin got off his horse and lifted the man's leg to find that the man was dead. The police were called and attended the beach with two ambulances. As the police and ambulance crew made their way down the wooden stairs towards the beach, a gathering of around 20 people circulated around the man, all eager to find out how the man had died and what were the circumstances surrounding his death. Roger Todd, who was 11 years old at the time, was walking his dog along the beach at roughly the same time when his dog ran towards a man propped up against a wall facing the beach. His terrier, Dandy, then proceeded to urinate on the man, leaving Roger quite embarrassed. Roger then ran after the dog, shouting his name. As he approached the man, he wondered why he didn't move when the dog urinated on him and thought that he may have been asleep. He got about a metre away and realised that the man didn't seem to be breathing. Roger, petrified, then ran back to his holiday home to tell his mother about the man who in turn called the police. Roger then asked his mother if he could return to the beach to see the man again, but she told him to stay at home. Although Roger wasn't allowed to go back to the beach, he could still see the man from his holiday home, and he and his mother watched eagerly as two police cars and ambulances arrived unseen, as well as the host of spectators gathering round the man. It is believed that Roger was the first person to see that man that morning, and the jockeys and Mr Lyons saw him immediately after Roger had run back to his home. When the police saw the man, they immediately noticed an unsmoked cigarette resting on his chest. His hair was perfectly in place, and his double-breasted jacket was pressed in a perfect condition. The man didn't seem homeless, or like he had been drinking. Rather, he was well presented and overdressed for what was a warm evening prior. The police also discovered a number of unusual items on his person. A half-eaten packet of juicy fruit was uninteresting, but an aluminium comb, a product unavailable in Australia at the time, suggested he had been to America recently. His clothing was also of an American brand. An army club cigarette packet in his pocket contained a number of cigarettes of another brand. This in itself wasn't unusual for the time. At the time, it was fashionable to carry a case of expensive brand cigarettes while refilling it with a cheaper brand. Police noted, however, that the Somerton man did the opposite of this, filling the cheap packet with expensive cigarettes. This struck them as a deliberate act, as if he was trying to play himself off as being a lower class. An unused rail ticket from Adelaide to nearby Henley Beach, and a bus ticket from the city led police to the train station. A month later, they discovered a suitcase at the train station that was assumed to belong to the Somerton man. This was checked in the day before the Somerton man was found dead. The case contained a number of items, including clothing that had all the tags and identification cut out of them. Although odd, three shirts had the name Keane written in. Police believed 
these were either overlooked by whoever cut out the names or left intact as a red herring. Either way, the police quickly ascertained Keane was not the man's name, as no missing persons with that name were reported. Also found was that the name Keane in several of the items was spelt different. One spelt K-E-A-N-E and the other K-E-A-N. He carried no wallet or ID. His shoes were unusually clean considering he had been walking on a beach and his hands and nails showed no signs of manual labour. Various people came forward to identify the man, including a woman who called police after her husband had been missing for over a week. However, upon identifying the man, she found that the Somerton man was not her husband. The man was approximately 5 foot 11, with grey eyes, fair to ginger coloured hair, slightly grey around the temples, with broad shoulders and a narrow waist. Big and little toes that met in a wedge shape, like those of a dancer, or someone who wore boots with pointed toes and pronounced high calf muscles consistent with people who regularly wear boots or shoes with high heels or perform ballet. His autopsy revealed a number of abnormalities that suggested that he had been poisoned. The findings read, in part, there was blood mixed with the food in the stomach, both kidneys were congested and the liver contained a great excess of blood in its vessels. The spleen was strikingly large, about three times the normal size. There was destruction of the centre of the liver lobes, revealed under the microscope. Acute gastritis hemorrhage, extensive congestion of the liver and spleen, and the congestion to the brain. Despite these findings, no poison was found in the man's body and the usual reactions to such a thing, including vomiting and convulsions, were not evident. If he was poisoned, it was fast-acting, undetectable to medical science at the time. The unknown man's fingerprints were also run through an international database but led to nothing. This included the FBI and Scotland Yard checking the man's fingerprints on their database but it led to nothing. Just as you thought this case couldn't get any stranger, in June, Coroner Thomas Cleveland was re-examining the man's clothing while preparing his report, when he found a small, rolled up piece of paper hidden in a fob watch pocket. He unrolled the paper, which read, Tamam Shud, which translated to, It is ended, or finished, in Farsi a modern Persian language. The jagged paper was soon discovered to have been ripped off the final page of the Rabbiat of Omar Khayyam, specifically a 1941 edition. The, the book was a translation of verses by an 11th century Persian poet and popular in the Western world during the 1940s. Later on, another man would be found dead with the same book in his possession leading to suspicion that the Somerton man was a Russian spy. Police decided to launch a nationwide appeal into the book and amazingly, a man came forward claiming he found the book on the back of his car seat, which was parked at Somerton Beach around the time of the man's death. He often left the windows open when it was warm and thought little of it until he read about it in the paper. 
The book itself revealed startling clues on the back page. An encrypted message, five lines long, each with nonsensical strings of letters. The second line is struck out, adding to the mystery. Code crackers from the Federal Bureau of Investigation and Scotland Yard were tasked with decoding the message, but this came to nothing. The Somerton man, who was described by the coroner as being in top physical condition, had a secret code, no visible identification, possible poison by an undetectable poison. Theories claimed that the man was a Russian spy and he had possibly been murdered. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Good. Detective Feltus discovered another clue that was found on the back of the piece of paper. It was a phone number that belonged to a woman by the name of Jessica Thompson. Police investigated this lead and Thompson was shown a plaster cast of the Somerton man's face in 1949 by Paul Lawson. Thompson's reaction was odd and it seemed as if she was going to pass out. Police figured, due to her reaction, that she knew the man but Jessica claimed she had never met the man and denied all knowledge of him. Despite neighbours claiming an unknown man had knocked on the door the night before of his death, Thompson sat in an interview with her head facing down as Detective Lee asked her questions, but she wasn't giving anything away, just answering no to everything. Police believed she knew the identity of the man, Jessica Thompson would later die in 2007, always denying any knowledge of the Somerton man. After Jessica's death, her daughter Kate admitted that her mother had a dark side, 
and admitted her mother told her she did know the Somerton man, but wasn't going to tell anyone about him, as this went well above the police force. Also, Kate wasn't an only child. She had a brother called Robin, who was born in 1947, a year before the Somerton man died. Robin did not know his father, and speculation was that the Somerton man may have been his dad, who wanted to see his son before he died. Robin died in 2009, but bore a striking resemblance to the Somerton man, including genetic traits such as missing both incisor teeth. Kate also admitted her mum told her she spoke Russian, re-cementing the fact that the Somerton man and Jessica knew each other and that they were both Russian spies. There was all those earlier talk about whether he was a Russian spy, um, whether he's involved in the black market, um, whether he was a sailor. There's been persistent speculation that the dead man was a spy. Due to the circumstances and historical content of his death, at least two sites relatively close to Adelaide were of interest to spies, the Radium Hill Uranium Mine and the Wamera Test Range, an Anglo-Australian military research facility. Strangely, as previously mentioned, in June 1945, three years before the death of the Somerton Man, a 34-year-old Singaporean man named George Marshall was found dead in Ashton Park, Mosman, with an open copy of the Rabbiah on his chest. Ashton Park is directly adjacent to Clifton Gardens. Marshall's death is believed to be suicide by poisoning and occurred two months before Harkness gave Boxtel the inscribed copy of the Rubaiyat. Marshall was a brother of David Marshall, who was later to become Singapore's first chief minister. An inquest was held on the 15th of August 1945. Gwyneth Dorothy Graham testified at the inquest and was found dead 13 days later, face down, naked, in a bath with her wrist slit. Make of that what you want, but that sounds highly, highly suspicious. In October 2011, an interest in the case resurfaced. Attorney General John Rao refused to exhume the body, stating, There needs to be public interest reasons that go well beyond public curiosity or broad scientific interest. Feltus said he was still contacted by people in Europe who believed the man was a missing relative, but did not believe an exhumation and finding the man's family grouping would provide answers to relatives, as during the period so many war criminals changed their name and came to different countries. In October 2019, however, Attorney General Vicky Chapman granted approval for the body to be exhumed to extract DNA for analysis. The parties interested in the analysis agreed to cover the costs, a potential granddaughter's DNA is planned to be completed to the unknown man to see if it is a match. An exhumation was carried out on the 19th of May 2021. The remains were deeper in the ground than previously thought. It was reported that the body was exhumed as part of Operation Preserve and Operation Persist, which are investigating historical unidentified remains in South Australia. The authorities have said that they intend to make the DNA from the remains if possible. Dr Anne Coxon of Forensic Science South Australia said, the technology available to us is clearly light years ahead of techniques available when this body was discovered in the late 1940s. 
and the Tess would use every method at our disposal to try and bring closure to this enduring mystery. Various people have come forward with possible identifications over the years, one being a man called E.C. Johnson, who was about 45 years of Arthur Street, Penningham. The following day, 3rd of December 1948, Johnson identified himself at a police station. That same day, the news published a photograph of the dead man on his front page, leading to additional calls from members of the public about his identity. By the 4th of December, police had announced that the man's fingerprints were not on South Australia's police records, forcing them to look further afield. On the 5th of December, the advertiser reported that police were searching through military records after a man claimed he had a drink with a person resembling the dead man in a hotel in Glenning on the 13th of November. During their drinking session, the mystery man supposedly produced a military pension card bearing the name Solomonson. In early January 1949, two people identified the body as 63-year-old former woodcutter Robert Walsh. A third person, James Mack, also viewed the body. Initially, could not identify it, but an hour later he contacted police to claim that it was Walsh. Mack stated that the reason he did not confirm this at the viewing was a difference in the colour of the hair. Walsh had left Adelaide several months earlier to buy sheep in Queensland, but failed to return Christmas as planned. Police were sceptical, believing Walsh to be too old to be the dead man. However, the police did state that the body was consistent with that of a man who had been a woodcutter, although the state of the man's hands indicated that he had not cut wood for at least 18 months. Any thoughts that a positive identification had been made were quashed, however, when Elizabeth Thompson, one of the people who had early positively identified the body as Walsh, retracted her statement after a second viewing of the body. There, the absence of a particular scar on the body, as well as the size of the dead man's legs, led her to realise the body was not Walsh. By early February 1949, there had been eight different positive identifications of the body, including two Darwin men who thought the body was a friend of theirs and others who thought it was a missing station worker, a worker on a steamship or a Swedish man. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Detectives from Victoria initially believed the man was from there because of the similarity of the laundry marks to those used by several dry cleaning firms in Melbourne. Following publications of the man's photograph in Victoria, 28 people claimed to know his identity. But Victoria detectives disproved all the claims and said that other investigations indicated it was unlikely that he was from Victoria. The case of the Somerton man is still ongoing. The investigation still open because the Somerton man is yet to be identified. Was he a spy? It seems that way. It seems like he didn't want to be found. 
no fingerprints on file, no ID, tags removed from clothing, and carried very, very little luggage with him. A piece of paper with letters indicating that this was code, and also the piece of paper reading to Mam Shud, the discarding of the book the piece of paper was ripped out of, being thrown into the back of somebody's car. It sounds a little odd, to be honest. And the fact that he was found on a beach, and the determination of his death, still really is unknown. So who do you think the Summerton man was? When you look at all the evidence, who is he? The woman whose phone number he had in his pocket denies ever knowing him. But yet, her daughter says she spoke Russian. She also had a very dark side to her. And when she saw the Summerton man's face, almost passed out. There's too many coincidences between the Summerton man and this woman. Was he poisoned? Who knows? Did he poison himself? Who knows? I don't think anybody will ever know. But hopefully in time, the DNA evidence will prove who the Summerton man was, where he came from, and what he was doing on that beach on the 1st of December 1948. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode I haven't been well, but we've got there in the end, and I hope you enjoyed it. This, I love a mystery, as I'm sure a lot of people do. If you've got anything that you'd like to add to the podcast, anything that you think about the Summerton Man, then drop us a message on Instagram. Let us know what you think, because this is intriguing. Like I said, I like a mystery. This is a big mystery. Thanks again for listening. If you would like to listen to our podcast without the ads on it, have a look at Acast Plus. The link is below in the episode description. It costs you less than a cup of coffee to join and it keeps us going on these podcasts. Thank you so much for all your support so far. I appreciate everybody who's listened to all our episodes so far, so thank you again. 